I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it's Seat Kulazinac. Welcome to the Arsenal Audio Program. Europa League, Thursday, April 5th, 2018. Arsenal v CSKA Moscow. Kickoff, 8.05 p.m. Contents. The Boss. The Captain. Voice of Arsenal. Player Feature. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Youth. Young Gun. Josh De Silva. Arsenal Women. The Beasts from the East. In the Mix. Community. Pressure Points. Visitors. CSKA Moscow. Match Action. Arsenal v Stoke City. Moscow. 1998. Culture. My Story. Teams. The Boss. Arsene Wenger. It's an unusual situation for Arsenal tonight to be at home in the first leg. Arsenal was talking to Rob Kelly. When you play at home in the first leg, you don't know exactly what you have to achieve. Usually when you play the second game at home, you know exactly what kind of results you need, and that's not the case in the first. You're a bit more in a situation where you know you have to defend and attack well, without knowing exactly what will be needed to qualify. The weight of an away goal is important in Europe. Ideally, you don't want to concede, but even if you do concede, you still want to win the game. You don't stop playing if you concede a goal. You want to combine both scoring goals and not conceding, but the situations are not always ideal. When you play away from home, you have the same advantage. If you want to do well in Europe, you don't choose. You accept the problems you face and you sort them out and you solve them. That's down to the quality teams and nobody always has the ideal way. If you want to go far, you have to accept at some stage that you have to play first at home and then away. When we played against Orsessons and AC Milan, we had a clear attitude to try to win the game and it went well. Tonight, we will try to repeat the same kind of performance, but we're playing against a team who has done well in Europe as well. We certainly need a top-class performance. 
what we want to focus on is the quality of our performance. The confidence levels in the group are certainly higher now as a result of winning four games in a row. We were disappointed with our results against City, and it always takes a bit of time to grieve and recover. The mentality in the team is very good, very strong and very healthy as well. We recovered. You judge a team and the quality of a team on the way they come out of a crisis. On that front, I believe it's very positive on our side. Against Stoke on Sunday, as much as the first half performance was disappointing, the second half was convincing. We played with drive, pace, better quality, and in the first half we were a bit static against a good side. As much as I felt we could have lost this game in the first half, in the second I always felt we would win it. In the end we won in a convincing way. Football does not stop and go. It's about keeping continuity in your performances. The players realise that. I think that this group of players is very healthy, very strong, has got solidarity and responded very well in the second half. In the end, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexandre Lacazette caught the eye in the second half. I think they can play together. Aubameyang played a long part of his career on the left at Saint-Étienne and in his first year at Borussia Dortmund when Robert Lewandowski was still there. He only really moved centrally when Lewandowski left. We'll need to make sure we are on our game from the start tonight. CSKA have a particularly experienced defensive line. We know that we cannot count on any naivety from them, and that is also a reason for why they've done well away from home. The benefits of having such experienced defenders are that you have assistant coaches on the pitch. The advantage of experience is the anticipation. They can guess what will happen, so they can warn the team around them what they have to do. So, it is a big advantage. In Henrik Mkhitaryan, we have a player who has already scored against CSKA this season, when he was still at Manchester United. Of course, we've spoken about his experiences of playing them before the game. It's important for players with that experience of the opposition to pass it on to their teammates. As far as our team news for tonight, we're in a good position in that we have basically everybody available with the exception of Kazola and Aubameyang, who is cup-tied. As I mentioned, Lacazette impressed from the bench on Sunday and he is now ready to start. At the time of writing, I've not decided if he will or not, but he's available. Finally, there is some extra pressure on us to do extremely well in this competition. That's part of being where we are. We have to see that as an opportunity we want to take and keep our priorities right. That means focusing on how well we play together and the quality of our game. After, the consequences will be a positive result. Enjoy the game. The captain, Per Mertesacker. Per knows the team will need to improve tonight against CSKA, as he said to Nick Brumsack. The key to our win on Sunday was that we used our strength more after half-time. 
We were sloppy in the first half, losing possession and not putting them under any pressure. It wasn't satisfying and that must be improved upon tonight against CSKA Moscow. That will be vital for us. The Stoke game was our first after the international break and sometimes it takes a bit of time to get used to each other again. When you've been away for 10 days or so, perhaps playing in a different style, there can be a small adaptation period. But the best teams get used to it very quickly. When you want to separate yourself from the rest and get to the top, you have to do that. There were some good positives from Sunday, notably Alba scoring again and Laka scoring on his return to the team too. That's brilliant for the confidence. What really impressed me was that Laka took the second penalty. Albert was on a hat-trick, but for him to give out the chance to get it was huge. That shows how we see each other as a unit. It looks as though it's natural to Albert to give something up in order to help the long-term benefit of the team. He had already impressed. He'd already scored two goals, so to see him giving up a chance for his teammate who could feature tonight to give Laka that good feeling was impressive. Albert wants to work, and he wants to integrate himself as quickly as possible. It's been that way from the start, and it helps that he can speak basically every language you hear in the dressing room. He can speak German, French, Spanish and English, and that's helped him. He wants to get to work and show everyone what he's capable of. Alba's putting himself in the best possible position to succeed, and I've really enjoyed his attitude so far. He's implementing everything we want from him at the moment. It's tough for him not to be involved in the Europa League, but he trains well in every single session to get the best out of himself and out of others. He's been great. I wasn't surprised by how sharp Lacker was when he came on against Stoke, because he's been exactly the same in training. He's looked lively, active and a threat from every position in training. His link-up play was really good on Sunday, and he was intelligent in his movement. He ran the channels without any hesitation. In terms of his finishing, we need him at his best. But with that, the onus is on the rest of the team to put him into those positions where he can be dangerous. The last half an hour against Stoke showed Alba and Lacker combining well. For that to work in the long run, everyone has to respect each other's strengths. We saw Lacker play through the middle and Alba shift out to the left against Stoke, but he showed how effective he can be from the flank. That pass he received from Mezard was an example. He can still play on the shoulder and come in from the wing to give us a threat. You could see that Alba is dangerous from every angle, so it's exciting to see the way we can mix things up when both of them are on the pitch. At the other end of the pitch, I felt we were solid. We kept our third clean sheet in our last four games, and we must make sure that the first thing we put emphasis on is our defence. It's important to focus on that, to make sure that we all defend as a team and set the tone in every single game, making sure that we build on that solidity. We absolutely cannot neglect our defensive effort tonight, especially because of the threat of an away goal. The first thing we should think about is not conceding. We want to bring pressure and intensity to the game, but we can't neglect what happens at the back. It's about being patient too. CSKA have a very experienced back line, so we need to find space and force them backwards. That will be the key, moving the ball well between the lines and getting in behind. That's a strength of ours, so we need to utilise that tonight. It's important to get their defence running backwards and create space in front of them as a result. We need to stretch them. Voice of Arsenal Emirates Stadium Development News There are some big changes afoot on Emirates Stadium's club level this summer. 
we're increasing capacity on club level. Currently, there are approximately 7,000 seats on club level in the stadium. Almost 800 additional seats will be installed on club level over the next two years, creating a ring of new seating that will stretch almost a kilometre. The extra capacity will help meet demand and enable more supporters to watch the team. Half of these new seasonal seats will be in place ready for the start of the 2018-19 season, with the remaining half installed ahead of the 2019-20 campaign. Approximately 350 tonnes of new galvanised structural steel will be used during the course of the project. New beginnings for Dial Square. Dial Square is a club-level bar named after the Woolwich Arsenal Armament Factory's football team, which was formed in 1886. Located in the clock end of the stadium, this area is being refurbished over the summer. It's not only a celebration of the club's origins, but also the mechanics behind every great game. This informal space will have an industrial spirit that centres around a social courtyard, inviting fans to arrive early to the stadium and immerse themselves in the matchday build-up. The new designs are by Agency 20.20, who have worked with us since 2002. At Emirates Stadium, they have brought to life a variety of original and inspiring spaces around club level. This transformation will also bring a new dining experience to club level. From freshly made pizza straight from a specialised pizza oven to succulent rotisserie chicken. What is club level? It's home to our Platinum members who are here for every first-team competitive home game, including Premier League, FA Cup, European and League Cup. Our members enjoy complimentary half-time drink and official matchday programme, a team of dedicated account executives, access to exclusive members-only clubs with dining, including for every match or season ticket-only options for more traditional matchday fare in our corner bars, such as hot dogs and fish and chips or pizza and pasties. For more information about seasonal platinum membership on club level, contact the premium sales team on 0345 246 0001, option 2. Email clublevel at arsenal.co.uk or visit premiumconcierge.arsenal.com. Arsenal legends to play Real Madrid at Emirates Stadium. Our legends will take on a team of Real Madrid greats home and away this year in aid of both clubs' charitable foundations. We travel to the Santiago Bernabeu for the first game on Sunday the 3rd of June, 2018. The two teams then come to North London for a second match at Emirates Stadium on Saturday, September the 8th, kick-off 2pm. Ticket information. Platinum and Gold season ticket holders. We would like to inform all Platinum and Gold members that season cards will not be valid for this match. Therefore, should you wish to attend the match, you will need to purchase a seat in the stadium. Tickets will be available as follows. Platinum season ticket holders relocated or are due to be relocated as a result of the club level redevelopment, please call on 020-7619-5000, option 1, to purchase seats. Opening hours, Monday to Friday, between 9.30am and 5.30pm. Platinum and gold season ticket holders. 
Platinum and Gold members can now purchase their own seats, which will be held until 8am on Monday the 16th of April. If you are a Platinum or Gold member and you require a concession rate ticket, but do not sit in the family enclosure, you will need to call on 020-7619-5000, option 1, between 9.30am to 5.30pm, Monday to Friday. Tickets will be available to Silver, Purple, Canon and Junior Gunner members on Monday the 16th of April from 10am. Tickets will be available to Red members on Wednesday, April the 18th from 10am. Return leg details. Our quarter-final second leg will be played next Thursday in Moscow, with kick-off at 8.05pm UK time. This will be the first away match we've played in this season's Europa League that kicks off at that time, with all our previous games having started at 6pm. As usual in this competition, away goals will count for the entire 120 minutes in Moscow, should extra time be required. The draw for the semi-finals of the tournament takes place next Friday, April 13th. Europa League stats. Passes. Mohamed Elneny, 692. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, 542. Rob Holding, 518. Jack Wilshire. 386. Callum Chambers, 380. Crosses. Theo Walcott, 24. Jack Wilshire, 18. Enrique Mikaderian and Mohamed Elneny, 16. Hector Bellerin, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, 12. Nacho Monreal, 7. Clearances. Stockran Mustafi, 19. Mathieu Debouchy, Callum Chambers, 18. Rob Holding, 16. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, 13. Mohamed Elneny, 11. Shots. Olivier Giroud, 19. Theo Walcott, 18. Danny Welbeck, 14. Jack Wilshire, 11. Enrique Mkhitaryan, 9. Chances created. Jack Wilshire, 18. Mesut Ozil, 11. Theo Walcott, 10. Alexi Iwobi, 9. Ainsley Maitland-Diles, 9. Mickey's done it again. Enrique Mkhitaryan has been named Armenia Footballer of the Year for the eighth time and for the seventh year in the row. The playmaker is the current captain of the Armenian national team and is also their all-time top goalscorer with 25 goals in 70 appearances. It is a great honour because it means you've achieved something, Mkhitaryan said. You've accomplished something important for the country and your followers. I'm very happy to be the children's hero. I was a kid too, so I know what those feelings are. I too had heroes. I wanted to be like some football player or a hero. And in further news of awards for Mickey, our number seven followed up his February Player of the Month award by winning our March Poll too plus our March goal of the month. The midfielder scored his first goal for us in the 2-0 win over AC Milan at the San Siro, collecting Mesut Ozil's lofted pass before cutting inside and rifling a fierce shot past Gianluigi Donnarumma, with the aid of a slight deflection. The goal was voted by the fans as our best of March. The 29-year-old followed that up by scoring in our home win against Watford three days later.
He also provided the assist for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal against the Hornets. Arsenal hosts SEMS Conference. Our 8th annual Arsenal SEMS Conference took place at Emirates Stadium in March and was hosted by our medical team. The event, organised by club doctor Gary O'Driscoll and head of medical services Colin Lewin, is designed to bring together sports and exercise medicine and science professionals from a range of sporting backgrounds to share knowledge and encourage learning and development within sports and exercise medicine and science. This year's theme was duty of care and athlete welfare in elite sport and how advances in anti-doping load management and performance can help our athletes. Gary and Colin were joined by Petr Cech and Dr Darren Burgess, Director of High Performance, as speakers at the event. Other speakers included Professor Richard McLaren, Professor Eric Witverul, Professor Adrian Williams, Dr Alan McCall, Baroness Tani Gray-Thompson, Professor Asker Yukendrup, and Dr Stefan Griffin. On this day, 1975, John Hartson was born. 1987, Charlie Nicholas scored twice as we beat Liverpool in the League Cup final. 1998, Christopher Ray was the hero in our 1-0 FA Cup semi-final win over Wolves. Coming up, Sunday... Southampton visit the Emirates in the Premier League. Cheer on the lads in the Youth Cup. Our under-18 side take on Blackpool in the second leg of their FA Youth Cup semi-final on Monday, April 16th. And the team need your support. Tyrese John-Jules and Xavier Amaechi scored at Bloomfield Road in last month's first leg helping us to a 2-2 draw which leaves the tie delicately poised going into the return match. We last reached the final of the competition in 2009 when we beat Liverpool 6-2 over two legs. Platinum, gold, silver, red and junior gunner members will be able to order free tickets to the match from 10am on Monday up until Wednesday, April the 11th at 10am. Membership cards will be activated. Tickets will be available on general sale via our Ticket Fast Print at Home facility from then on and will remain on sale until 3pm on Friday, April 13th, subject to availability. Tickets will be priced at £4 for adults and £2 for concessions, under 16s and over 65s. Please note that paper tickets will not be issued during this period. Tickets will not be available on the evening of the match to purchase, all tickets must be purchased in advance. Please note that children who are under 14 years of age need to be accompanied by an adult who is 18 or over when attending fixtures at Emirates Stadium. Seating will be unreserved for this fixture and situated in the lower tier only. The match will kick off at 7pm. Our youngsters are also in action at Emirates Stadium on Tuesday, April 10th, Arsenal under-23s versus Villarreal under-23s, and Friday, April 13th, Arsenal under-23s versus Swansea under-23s, both 7pm kickoffs. Alba races to five. Following his brace on Sunday, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has scored five goals in his first six Premier League games for Arsenal, faster than any other Gunner player has done in the competition. He also became the 46th player to score a Premier League brace for the Gunners. 
Aubameyang is not eligible for tonight's game, though, as he is cup-tied in the Europa League. Join the hashtag ArsenalGap project. Are you looking to develop your coaching, teaching and leadership skills? Or are you looking to take a break and build your CV whilst travelling the world representing Arsenal? If so, the Arsenal Gap Year programme may be perfect for you. We are recruiting gappers for our August intake of the hashtag Arsenal Gap. Since the programme started in 2006, hundreds of young people have coached all over the world, from Australia to Mozambique and Bolivia to India, coaching and teaching children while wearing the Arsenal badge. Your placement could be anywhere, from the Philippines to Uganda. Working with local NGO community partners, you spend your day delivering high-quality football sessions and teaching English, often with a focus on life skills or using the sport to tackle local issues that the young people will face in their day-to-day life. Stage 3 also offers the opportunity to experience a totally different country as you go abroad again, honing your skills further, before finishing the year having travelled the world, gained qualifications and life experience. For more information, visit www.arsenaljobs.com. Tune in to Arsenal Weekly. Have you heard about the Arsenal Weekly podcast? Available on arsenal.com every Monday, the show is free and features all the latest from the club, including action and reaction from the weekend game, an exclusive player interview, a chat with an Arsenal insider, an Arsenal history lesson, a tactical heads up on our next opponent. Fans wanting to get involved can tweet questions to hashtag Arsenal Weekly. Follow us on social media. Keep up to date with everything in the world of Arsenal by following us on these platforms. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Arsenal. Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Arsenal. Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Arsenal. Snapchat, add official AFC. YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Arsenal. RefWatch. Pavel Kralovec. This evening's referee is Pavel Kralovec from the Czech Republic. He has taken charge of five Champions League fixtures this season, showing 12 yellow cards. He also refereed Lokomotiv Moscow's 1-0 win over Nice in the Europa League, along with two World Cup qualifiers, Finland's 1-0 win over Iceland and Austria's 3-2 victory over Serbia. We've got history. CSK Moscow returned to the Emirates for the first time since our debut season at the stadium. We met them in the 2006-2007 Champions League group stage, losing to a first-half Daniel Carvalho goal in Moscow before being held to a goalless draw at home. The last time a CSKA side at any level played at Emirates Stadium was in 2013, when Sergei Gnabry's first half goal saw us progress to the next-gen series semi-final. Hear more about our last fixture with CSKA and previous matches against Russian opposition throughout tonight's programme. Premier League table. Manchester City played 31, points 84. Manchester United played 31, points 68. Liverpool played 32, points 66. Tottenham played 31.64. Chelsea played 31.56. Arsenal played 
points 51. Burnley played 31, points 46. Leicester City played 31, points 43. Everton played 32, points 40. Bournemouth played 32, points 37. Watford played 32, points 37. Newcastle United played 31, points 35. Brighton and Hove Albion played 31, points 34. West Ham United played 31, points 33. Swansea City played 31, points 31. Huddersfield Town played 32, points 31. Crystal Palace played 32, points 30. Southampton played 31, points 28. Stoke City played 32, points 27. West Bromwich Albion played 32, points 20. Anti-Semitic and discriminatory chanting of all kinds is offensive to home and away supporters alike and will not be tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive chanting at the match, you can report it to a matchday steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our supporters and wider community. Thank you for your support and enjoy the game. Arsenal, League Champions, FA Cup winners 1930-1936-1950-1971-1979-1993-1998-2002-2003-2004-2015-2017 League Cup winners 1986-87-1992-93 Charity Stroke Community Shield winners 1930-1931-1933-1934-1938-1948-1949-1948-1949-1948-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1
programme at arsenal.co.uk. Directors, Sir Chips Cheswick, Chairman, Ken Fryer, OBE, Ivan Gazidis, CEO, Richard Carr, Lord Harris of Peckham, Stan Cronker, Josh Cronker, Honorary Vice President, Lady Bracewell-Smith, Secretary, David Miles, Manager, Arsen Wenger, OBE, Physiotherapist, Colin Lewin, MCSP, SRP, Editor, Andy Exley, Deputy Editor, Josh James, Design Manager, Simon Wallace, Designers, Katie Jane Bruin, Owen Pinch, Edward Wilkinson, Photography, Stuart McFarlane, David Price, Contributors, Nick Brumsack, Max Jones, Aidan Small, Joanna Harney, Lambros Lambrew, Mike Hammond, Jem Maidment, Michael Cox, Michael Donlevy, Andy Kelly, Mark Andrews, Jonathan Edwards, Matt Pascoe. Thanks to Fred Ollier, Printers, Bishop's Printers. Exclusive player interview Ainsley Maitland Niles. Born London, August 29, 1997. Joined Arsenal as a scholar in summer 2013. Arsenal debut versus Galatasaray away, Champions League, December 9, 2014. 1 4 1. Stats Arsenal career. League Games 6 plus 6. Europe 8 plus 2. FA Cup 3 plus 2. League Cup 5 plus 1. Community Shield None. Total 22 plus 11. This season has been something of a whirlwind for Ainsley Maitland Niles, a World Cup winner with England's under 20s and a mainstay of the team that has reached the Europa League quarter finals. Yet the youngster is taking it all in his rangy stride. There's little doubt that the 20-year-old from East London has blazed a trail for the Gunners Academy this season. It may come as a surprise that he's still so young, given that he made his debut as long ago as December 2014 in a Champions League win over Galatasaray. He's been quietly going about his business since then, spending a season on loan at Ipswich Town before returning a better, more mature player. A central midfielder by trade but capable of playing out wide in a wing-back role, even in a back three, he's firmly established himself in the first-team squad. And now he's here, he's set on staying right where he is. Ainsley, nobody has started more Europa League games than you this season. What's your personal highlight from the competition? I think the competition as a whole has been my highlight. Just being able to play in the Europa League at such a young age makes me feel so privileged. It's been quite varied as you've gone from Ostersunds to the San Siro. How have those different experiences been for you? It's been nice to travel the world playing football for the club that you love. It's a dream come true. You're only going there to do one job, and that's to come back with the win. Tell us about some of those places. Ostersunds must have been tough with the conditions. They were certainly hard conditions to play in. It was minus degrees and we were playing on a pitch that we're not used to. Some players have difficulties playing on that sort of pitch and in those sorts of conditions. 
It was a challenge to manage the squad, but we came back with the win and that was the main thing. What's it like to step out on the pitch when it's that cold? You wake up in the morning and you can feel the breeze coming through the windows. It's just a change in your brain and you have to adapt to it as quickly as possible. How did it feel to play in one of the most iconic stadiums in the world, the San Siro? The atmosphere was absolutely magnificent. Being there and just hearing the noise, just standing in the stadium and just looking around, you can feel the presence of the fans and you understand why it is one of the greatest stadiums. That must have been a moment where you thought, I've come a long way. Yeah, not a lot of people get to play in Europe and play at San Siro. Having both of those things to do in one night made it a night to remember. We all want to be in the Champions League, but the Europa League has been great for our younger players, hasn't it? It has been. I think everyone's improved by playing that sort of first-team football in the Europa League. Everyone has the boss to thank for that because he didn't have to put anyone in, but he's believed in the youth players. They've come through and shown him how good they are. You've been flying the flag for Arsenal's academy this season. Does that feel like a weight on your shoulders? It's not too bad, to be honest. I just take every game as it comes and in every training session I try to work hard and improve, and the same in games. It's not that big a weight. Have you been surprised at how much first-team football you've played this season? I thought it would be less, to be honest. It's been a shock, but at the same time I'm very pleased to see my progress game after game, so I've been happy with myself. There have also been some big learning experiences in there too, such as the Ostersund's game at Emirates Stadium. It's true. When you lose to a team after you beat them away, you never want that feeling again. It makes you want to try your utmost to not lose in this competition again. Now, we can't afford to lose. We need to win every game. We need to come back with the trophy. It's been a season where the players have had to pick themselves up quite often. How have you dealt with that? I guess it's just players talking. The more experienced players can share what they know to the younger players. It's obviously going to help and about us taking it on board and working with the players to build a relationship. It's about building that bond as a team and fighting through a rough patch. Who do you look to? Per Mertesacker? Yeah, of course. He's our captain and he does carry a big responsibility, but he takes it really well. He does use his voice and is opinionated about a lot of things around the dressing room. How much confidence did beating AC Milan over two legs give the whole team? I think that boosted the team's self-esteem. Everyone just needs to keep talking to each other to get the most out of one another. It needs to be like that on a match day and in training too so that we can build on it. It's CSKA Moscow next and they beat Lyon to reach the quarter-finals. Do you know much about them? I've seen them play in the Champions League and I've seen them play in the Europa League and it's all about adapting on the night. Obviously we're going to do our research and work out which players we need to stop and how to get around them too. It should be a good game. How do you approach the game with the home leg up first? It's definitely the aim to go to Russia with a healthy lead. We're trying to step out at the Emirates on our home pitch and try to finish the game off as quickly as we can. We want to put ourselves in the best position for the second leg when we go away from home. You won the World Cup with England under-20s. How excited are you about the Senior World Cup this summer? It's going to be a very good one. Hopefully I can play as much as I want to play before the rest of the season and then I can be in Gareth's mind for a late call-up. 
when you look at how well our youth sides have done collectively, it must feel like England have got a very strong group coming through. Yeah, there's a lot of talented players and we just want to try to keep our heads down as young players. It's about playing as much football as we can until we get to that big stage and then it's time to take your chance. With the likes of Lewis Cook making his senior debut against Italy, it feels like there's a pathway through to the senior side too. There have been lots of young players who've been called up for England. Theo got called up when he was 16, Wayne Rooney as well, and I'm sure Welbeck played when he was young as well. At the moment there's Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford and Jesse Lingard. There's a lot of young players in the squad and it's a good time to come through at a young age. Gareth is open to playing young players, so he's always got his eyes on you. You could be England's left back one day. Who knows? Obviously I'd like to play in midfield, but I'm happy to play wherever I get put on the pitch. Arsenal Youth. Another comfortable victory for Kwame Ampadu's young Gunners by Aidan Small. Gunners reach final of Dallas Cup. Arsenal under-19s reached the final of the Dallas Cup where they lost a hard-fought match 1-0 to Tigre of Mexico. The Gunners had topped their group and beaten Manchester United on penalties in an exciting semi-final. A full report from the tournament will appear in the Southampton programme. Friday, March the 16th, under-18 Premier League South, Norwich City under-18s nil, Arsenal under-18s 4. The scorers for Arsenal were Swanson in the 6th minute, Oloyinke in the 34th, Saka in the 79th and Makinov in the 81st. Two goals either side of half-time propelled our under-18s to a convincing victory over Norwich City. In their first match since the disappointing Premier League Cup defeat to Tottenham Hotspur in February, Kwame Ampadu's side responded emphatically, dominating the game from the start. They could have taken the lead almost straight from the kick-off, when a fine sweeping team move finished with Fowler in Bulligan beating the Canaries' keeper to James Olinka's searching through ball. Balogun toe-poked the ball goalwards and was unfortunate to see his effort rebound off the post. Norwich had had a lucky escape, but their luck deserted them soon after when Zach Swanson exchanged passes with Jordan Mackinough before the former pounced on a goalkeeping fumble to turn home the latter's cross. Having scored the first, Swanson turned provider after 34 minutes. Retrieving Trey Coyle's cross, the fullback delivered a low first-time centre to Oleinka. Turning inside his marker with his first touch, Oleinka unleashed a ferocious near-post shot with his second to double our lead. We continued to make the better opportunities after the break, but it took until the 79th minute for us to make the game safe. This time Coyle was the creator, turning sharply before threading the ball through to substitute Bukayo Saka to confidently steer a finish inside the far post. Saka's direct and purposeful running had caused the host plenty of problems, so it was no surprise to see the forward heavily involved in our final goal. After Matthew Smith had won possession midway inside the Norwich half, Jay Beckford fed the ball out to Saka, whose left-wing cross was clinically headed home by the onrushing Makinev. 
Saka could have added his second in the dying embers of the game, but, after speeding clear of the Norwich backline, the teenager's shot was touched just wide. Playing for Arsenal were Barden, Swanson, Olowu, Clark, Thompson, Amole, substituted by Beckford in the 70th minute, Smith, Oleinka, Makanev, Coyle, substituted by Spencer Adams in the 80th minute, and Balogun, substituted by Saka in the 63rd minute. Under-18's coach Kwame Ampadu said, We have to fight in every game and earn victories. Some of the boys who haven't been regulars came into the team today and had a very positive effect. The attitude was really good. Aggression, intelligence and good finishing as well. Young Gun the next generation in their own words. This time, Josh De Silva. Born Ilford, October 23rd, 1998. Height, 185 centimetres. Weight, 79 kilograms. Joined age nine, position midfielder. School, Beale High School. He says, I've had a very good couple of seasons. I played a lot last year and began this summer by winning the under-19 Euros with England. I made my debut in the 4-1 win over Germany and came on for the last 20 minutes in the final when we beat Portugal. It was a special experience and the fact that England also won the under-17 and under-20 World Cup competitions shows that there's a lot of talent in this country. The way we train is a little different from Arsenal in that we are together for less time and so the focus is on the opponents and doing what needs to be done to win the game, whereas development is more the focus here at my club. I'm really optimistic about the prospects for the England national side because of the success achieved by the younger groups. I think winning the tournament gives you even more of a hunger to win more, and the main targets for the rest of the season is to win the PL2 Under-23s League and the Premier League International Cup. We have the belief and ability to do it, and I'm really looking forward to us realising the potential we have. I've played in every under-23s game this season, which has helped me improve in every way. Another highlight for me this season was making my debut for the first team. I've played three times now, all in the Carabao Cup. My debut was against Doncaster, and I came on after half-time. It was a bit strange playing as a left centre-back, but because we had a lot of possession, I was able to bring the ball forward and play a bit more as a central midfielder, which is my usual role. I played left wing-back against Norwich, but against West Ham I played in central midfield. Being involved with the first team was a very good experience for me, and I'm looking forward to further involvement now. I'm naturally a box-to-box midfielder, and I'm looking to add more goals before the end of the season. I was previously a striker, and I know what runs strikers instinctively make, and so I make support runs. As a striker makes a run to the near post, I'll go far post or to the penalty spot, depending on the build-up of play. I'm working hard to improve my overall play, but I'm especially focused on scoring more goals for the remaining games we have this season. We are up against CSKA Moscow tonight, and they illustrated how dangerous they can be in the last round. They showed great character to win at Lyon to get through to this round. They obviously pose a threat, but I expect us to be able to dictate if we play our usual game. We will also have players available like Alexandra Lacazette, Mesut Odzil, and Henrik Vakatarian, who have the ability to create opportunities and score goals. 
I therefore expect us to win by at least two goals this evening. Full name, Palenda Joshua De Silva. Signed professionally October 2015. First team debut versus Doncaster Rovers at home September 20th, 2017 in the Carabao Cup, 1-1-0. Season stats. Carabao Cup, appearances 3, goals none. PL2, 13 plus 1, goals 1. PLIC, appearances 4, goals 1. Total appearances, 17 plus 4, goals 2. International honours, 2017 Under-19 European Championships. Arsenal women. The unbeaten run reaches double figures, but legally does Chelsea frustrate the Gunners at home. Sunday, April 1st, 2018, Meadow Park. Women's Super League, Arsenal 1, Chelsea 1. Arsenal scorer, Mead, 45. Chelsea scorer, Kirby, 31. A fine goal from Beth Mead helped Joe Montemuro's team pick up a point against league leaders Chelsea as we extended our unbeaten run in all competitions to 10 games. The Gunners almost got off to the perfect start when Mead twisted and turned on the right wing and forced a low save from Hedvig Lindahl. But after working a number of half-chances and failing to take them, Chelsea punished us on the half-hour as Fran Kirby raced through and found the bottom corner. Arsenal responded well, with Vivian Midema and Mead going close in quick succession, before the latter levelled matters on the stroke of half-time as she stormed down the wing and rifled the ball into the far corner. Mead started the second half positively, this time picking up the ball on the left wing, cutting inside and skimming the far post. Moments later, Midema's goal-bound effort was deflected behind for a corner, before Kim Little dragged a shot just wide from the edge of the area. Both sides continued to push for a winner up until the final whistle, but neither were able to make the breakthrough. We're disappointed with the point, really, said goalscorer Mead after the match. We wanted all three points, and we had chances in the second half to get them as well. Obviously, a draw is nicer than losing, but we're Arsenal. We need to be getting into the top two now, and we needed that win. We're more frustrated that their goal came from our own mistake, and we've gifted them a goal, really. I'm sure a lot of our girls will be harsh on themselves about that. I enjoyed my game today. Obviously, I wish I could have scored another goal, but I got the equaliser and it put us in a good position for the second half. Arsenal team. Van Wielendal, Evans, Williamson, Quinn, Mitchell, Janssen, O'Reilly, 72, Little, Mead, McCabe, 88, Nobbs, Van der Donk, Midema, Carter, 84. Subs not used. Morehouse, Cook. Family Festival with the Cup The game on Sunday was also a hugely successful family festival with coaching sessions, all sorts of fun activities and a chance to meet the players, making it a very special afternoon. And a special guest on the day was the Continental Cup trophy, which was available for fans to be pictured alongside, joined by some of the stars of our famous win over Manchester City. Congratulations, DVD. 
Danielle van der Donk notched up her 50th appearance for Arsenal women in Sunday's match against Chelsea. The Dutch international midfielder has been hugely influential for the Gunners over the past couple of seasons, a fact borne out by an impressive goal tally of 12 since her arrival at the club. Here's to the next 50, Daniela. Women's Super League fixture list 2017-2018. Sunday, September the 24th. Home, Birmingham City. Women's Super League. Result, 3-2. Sunday, October the 1st. Away, Manchester City. Women's Super League. Result, 2-5. Sunday, October the 8th. Home, Bristol City. Women's Super League. Result, 1-1. Thursday, October the 12th. Home, London Bees. Continental Cup. Result, 7-0. Sunday, October 29th. Away, Everton. Women's Super League. Result, 2-0. Wednesday, November the 1st. Away, Millwall Lionesses, Continental Cup, result 5-2. Sunday, November the 5th, home, Reading, Continental Cup, result 1-2. Sunday, November the 12th, home, Sunderland, Women's Super League, result 3-0. Thursday, November the 16th, away, Watford, Continental Cup, result 6-0. Sunday, December the 17th, away, Sunderland. Continental Cup, quarter-final, result 3-1. Sunday, January the 7th, away, Chelsea, Women's Super League, result 2-3. Sunday, January the 14th, away, Reading, Continental Cup, semi-final, result 3-2. Sunday, January 28th, away, Reading, Women's Super League, result 0-0. Sunday, February the 4th, away, Yeovil Town, FAC Round 4, result 3-0. Wednesday, February the 7th, away, Liverpool, Women's Super League, result 3-0. Sunday, February the 11th, home, Yeovil Town, Women's Super League, result 4-0. Sunday, February the 18th, home, Millwall, FAC Round 5, result 1-0. Friday, February 23rd, home, Everton, Women's Super League, result 1-0. Wednesday, March 14th, away, Manchester City, Continental Cup final, result 1-0. Sunday, March 18th, home, Charlton Athletic, FAC quarterfinal, result 5-0. Sunday, April 1st, home, Chelsea, Women's Super League, result 1-1. Sunday, April 15th, away, Everton, FAC semi-final, kick-off 2pm. Wednesday, April 18th, home, Reading, Women's Super League, kick-off 7.30pm. Saturday, April the 24th, away, Yeovil Town, Women's Super League, kick-off 3pm. Tuesday, April the 24th, home, Liverpool, Women's Super League, kick-off 7.30pm. Sunday, April 29th, away, Birmingham City, Women's Super League, kick-off, 2pm. Saturday, May the 5th, away, to be arranged, FAC final, kick-off, to be arranged. Sunday, May 13th, home, Manchester City, Women's Super League, kick-off, 2pm. 
Wednesday, May 16th, away, Sunderland, Women's Super League, kick-off, 7pm. Sunday, May the 20th, away, Bristol City, Women's Super League, kick-off, 12pm. Women's Super League, 2017-2018. Chelsea Ladies, played 13, points 29. Manchester City Women, played 12, points 26. Birmingham City, played 13, points 22. Arsenal, played 11, points 21. Liverpool Ladies, played 12, points 21. Reading Women, played 21, points 19. Sunderland Ladies, played 12, points 13. Everton Ladies, played 11, points 10. Bristol City Women, played 11, points 7. Yeovil Town Ladies, played 11, points 0. Everton in the FA Cup semi-final. Arsenal will face Everton Ladies at the Select Security Stadium on Sunday, April the 15th for a place in the Women's FA Cup final. The semi-final, which will kick off at 2pm, is a repeat of the 2010 final, which the Toffees won 3-2 after extra time, and the 2014 final, which the Gunners won 2-0. Chelsea will face Manchester City in the other semi-final, with the winners meeting at Wembley on Saturday, May the 5th. Words by Andy Exley. The Beasts from the East CSKA Moscow visit Emirates Stadium tonight as the latest Russian side to present a formidable challenge to the Gunners. John Sperling looks back at a selection of games involving the Gunners and teams from the Russian capital. Friendly match, November 21st, 1945, White Hart Lane, Arsenal 3, Dynamo Moscow 4. With the world on the cusp of the Cold War, the Gunners' White Hart Lane clash, Highbury hadn't yet been fully repaired after suffering bomb damage during World War II, with the touring dynamos was politically charged. On a foggy November day, with England legend Stanley Matthews guesting for Arsenal, George Allison's team went down 4-3, but reports on some of the events during the match remained suitably hazy. Within a minute, the dynamos took the lead without an Arsenal player having touched the ball. Cliff Bastin and Bernard Joy claimed that Kartsev scored, but then it could have been Bobrov, as Brian Glanville believed. Gunners striker Ronnie Brook grabbed an equaliser, and guest player Stan Mortensen fired two crackers past Tiger Komic to make it 3-1. By half-time, Beskov reduced the deficit, and after the break, it was one-way traffic. Kartsev levelled the scores, and Bobrov put the Russian side 4-3 ahead even though by this time it was impossible to see further than 30 yards. Only the occasional magnesium flash from a camera enabled the crowd to see any more. Despite Bernard Joy's insistence that at one point there were 12 Russians on the pitch, a strapping, fair-haired fellow came out of the mist with no warning that he was entering the fray, and Dynamo players insisting the referee halt the game, the score remained 4-3 at full time. The Mail described it as the most farcical match that has ever been played, but the tourists, who drew with Chelsea and beat Rangers and Cardiff City, as well as Arsenal, were a wonderful side, and the White Hart Lane clash was a memorable encounter for multiple reasons. 
UEFA Cup first round first leg, September 14th, 1982, Spartak Moscow 3, Arsenal 2. UEFA Cup first round second leg, September 29th, 1982, Arsenal 2, Spartak Moscow 5. Spartak win 8-4 on aggregate. Arsenal were hardly unprepared for their first leg UEFA Cup match behind the Iron Curtain, with scouts Wilf Dixon and Steve Berthenshaw having spent a week in the Russian capital, keeping tabs on a team which possessed five of the Soviet Union's 1982 World Cup squad and lay third in the Soviet League at the time. Terry Neal's Arsenal, in contrast, were struggling for form in Division 1, but stunned their hosts by taking a 2-0 lead in Moscow after 29 minutes through goals by Lee Chapman and Stuart Robson. The Gunners capitulated thereafter, and two second-half Gavrilov goals gave Spartak a 3-2 first-leg league to take to Highbury. Neil admitted that his side had been under the cosh for much of the game, but still believed Arsenal could prosper at Highbury. Yet from the moment Spartak took the lead in N5 after 26 minutes, Arsenal were on the ropes. Terry Neal later admitted, We had to pile into the attack and take risks. It was a bold policy, the only one we could adopt with a two-goal deficit, but it led to our undoing. Spartak ran out 5-2 winners on the night, and their superb brand of counter-attacking football, quick, incisive and deadly, in fullback Kenny Sampson's words, left Arsenal nonplussed. The Highbury crowd, stunned at first, sportingly applauded the visitors throughout much of the second half. UEFA Champions League group stage, March the 7th, 2001. Arsenal 1, Spartak Moscow 0. Arsene Wenger's men had suffered an almighty clobbering in Moscow back in November 2000. Despite taking the lead through Slovenia in the team's Champions League Group C clash, Arsenal were hammered 4-1 as the winter chill began to set in. In front of a nervous Highbury crowd in February, with Arsenal needing a win to nudge closer to gaining a group runners-up spot behind Bayern Munich, the Gunners pressed and pressed before Thierry Henry delivered victory in the 82nd minute. From Ashley Cole's corner, the talismanic Frenchman scored above his marker to power a header past the static goalkeeper. Without that much-needed win, Lyon would have edged ahead of Wenger's men, but Arsenal went through courtesy of their better head-to-head record in the group against the French side. UEFA Champions League group stage, December 10th, 2003. Arsenal 2, Lokomotiv Moscow 0. It wasn't exactly in Arsenal's Champions League plan to finish top of Group B, having been bottom after three games, but that's precisely what they did after beating the Russians comfortably at Highbury. Following an insipid goalless draw in Moscow and defeats against Dynamo Kiev and Inter Milan, Arsenal rallied superbly in the group, grabbing a late winner against Kiev at home and thumping Inter 5-1 in Italy on a memorable night. Arsene Wenger's men finished their work in the group in clinical style at Highbury. After just 12 minutes, Thierry Henry teed at Robert Pires, who thundered the ball past the goalkeeper to give Arsenal a 1-0 lead. In the second half, a neat interchange of passes saw Dennis Bergkamp's pass chested down by Thierry Henry, and the Frenchman's hoisted pass was rifled into the net by Freddie Lundberg. Lokomotiv's neat and intricate passing style saw them finish runners-up behind Arsenal in the group, their emphatic wins at home to both Inter and Dynamo Kiev proving decisive. The Russians crashed out to eventual finalists Monaco in the last 16.
UEFA Champions League group stage, November 1st, 2006. Arsenal 0, CSKA Moscow 0. In a highly competitive Group G, Arsenal, Champions League finalists in the previous season, eventually finished top of a group containing CSKA, Hamburg and Porto. But not before the Russian side defeated them 1-0 in a chilly Moscow and then drew 0-0 at the Emirates, despite the Gunners creating the majority of chances. Thierry Henry fired wide early on, Robin van Persie slotted his shot narrowly wide and somehow Tomas Rosicki tapped his shot into the goalkeeper's arms with the goal at his mercy. At the other end, Jens Lehmann denied CSKA striker Wagner Love when the Brazilian had the goal at his mercy. This hard-fought draw proved crucial for the Gunners and despite causing Wenger's men all sorts of problems, CSKA surprisingly finished third in the group behind Porto. In the mix, after Arsenal hosted American football star Jay Ajayi last week, here are a selection of the club's links to other sports. The numbers are in the order printed in the programme. 1. Highbury's greatest non-football moment came when Henry Cooper fought Muhammad Ali there on May 21, 1966. Ali won by technical knockout in round six. 10. International triple jumpers JJ Jashide, Great Britain, and Tosin Oke, Nigeria, are also gunas. Tosin has even triple jumped at Emirates Stadium. 9. Floodlit cricket famously took place at Highbury, and England test players Dennis Compton, brother Leslie, and Arthur Milton all played for the Gunners. 8. If you've never seen David Ospina's attempt to play cricket, please go to the Gunners' YouTube channel. 11. Cup final preparations in the 1930s were traditionally done on a Brighton golf course, while two current golfing superstars are Gunners, Ian Poulter and Andrew Beef Johnston. 12. Leading GB cyclist Geraint Thomas is an Arsenal fan, while club employee John McClelland, son of ex-goalkeeper Jack McClelland, is currently an age group track world champion. 13. Multiple British record holder and 21 times national weightlifting champion Joe Calvino is a gunner and has even demonstrated her trade at the Emirates. 19. Multiple Olympic and World Championship gold medalist rower Moe Erspihi is a huge, literally, he's 6 feet 8, Arsenal fan. 3. In the 1950s, the leading boxers and jockeys of the day played each other at Highbury in the boxers and jockeys match to raise money for charity. 2. Arguably the greatest national hunt jockey to have ever lived, 20 times champion jockey Tony McCoy is a regular at the Emirates. 4. So many jockeys attended games at Highbury in the 1950s, the area behind the dugouts became known as the paddock. The corresponding area at the Emirates is now known by that name. 7. Kelly's partner, triple jumper Nathan Douglas, is also a big fan and will be following Arsenal from the Gold Coast as he represents England at the current Commonwealth Games. 6. Three-time Olympic bronze medal heptathlete Kelly Southerton is a gunner 
as is fellow multi-eventer GB's current number one decathlete, Ashley Bryant. 5. Great Britain's greatest male distance runner, four-time Olympic gold medalist Mo Farah, is, of course, a huge Arsenal fan and has trained with the team. 14. As well as Andy Murray being a semi-regular at Emirates, former women's number one and current Fed Cup captain Anne Kyothavong learned to play tennis in the old JVC centre at Highbury. 15. Volleyball runs through the family of Ben Sheaf. Mum Mandy represented England at both indoor and beach volleyball and brother Jake is at the Commonwealth Games for the beach volleyball. 17. Skipper Per Matasaka's wife Ulrika Stanger played 38 times for Germany's handball team while GB handball captain at the London Olympics Bobby White is an Arsenal fan. 16. In his mid-teens, Aaron Ramsey was offered trials for rugby union team Newport Gwent Dragons and rugby league's St Helens, but chose to stick with football. Community. Using the power of the Arsenal name to positively impact the lives of young people since 1985. Twitter in the community. Today, we are very proud to be celebrating hashtag WDSD18. Check out our at North London United group with at Murdersacca before our recent fixture with Watford, as well as some friends from at CPFC underscore foundation and at WFC Trust. Where are they now? Dylan White. When were you involved with Arsenal in the community? I started as a participant of the Arsenal Kicks programme at Rosemary Gardens, Islington in 2010. What was your role? I was a participant when I started, but then went on to volunteer on a range of community programmes before progressing as a casual sessional coach. My role was to engage young people into football, lead sessions and influence young people to do things they enjoyed doing and provide them with the opportunity to gain qualifications. What are you doing now? I'm currently working full-time at a primary school as a sports coach, teaching multi-sports to years one to six. How did your time with the community department help you in your current role? My time at Arsenal gave me the confidence to move to a different location. While at the club, they gave me the opportunity to work in many schools, estates and pupil referral units. It helped develop my communication skills with all ages. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Arsenal Alternative Curriculum Project Arsenal in the Community deliver a weekly alternative curriculum project in partnership with New River College and Islington Alternative Provision. We're proud to have worked with New River College and their key stages 1 to 4 for more than 15 years. Schemes which have been delivered within the settings include Arsenal Kicks, Positive Futures and Double Club. This academic year, we've been delivering an alternative curriculum project engaging key stage 3 and 4 students in a mixture of sports and education activities at the Arsenal Hub. The students have been working towards a range of accredited courses, including BTEC Level 1 in Work Skills, ASDAN Level 1 in Enterprise Skills, and AQA Certificate in Football Skills. Arsenal in the community staff tailor the delivery of the sessions to ensure that the courses are accessible and engaging for the learners, and that they provide them with qualifications which will benefit them moving forward with their education. Monica Brylak Head of Alternative Provision, Careers and Work-Related Learning for Islington Council says, Thanks to Arsenal's initiative, our students were able to benefit from a bespoke course that formed a part of our alternative curriculum offer. The Arsenal in the community team were able to engage our young people through practical football activities and help them to grow in confidence and motivation alongside developing skills to help them move into work or further training. For some of our most disengaged students, this part of the curriculum is something they truly look forward to engaging with on a weekly basis. Bill Dimmock, Assistant Head at New River College, said, The Arsenal Project has given the students space outside of the conventional classroom to work on their personal development and, in an unconventional way, to gain employability skills. The boys have gained confidence in their ability to think through problems and apply their improved skills to achieve the best possible outcomes. The project has provided our students with a great opportunity to work in a way that best suits their learning style while helping to prepare them for the next steps in their education. For more on the Arsenal Alternative Curriculum Programme, email Jack Ironside at jironside at arsenal.co.uk in the words of Arsene Wenger, the glare has never been stronger. So we asked the Arsenal stars about pressure situations on and off the pitch. Pressure points. Andre Lacazetti. Which opponent makes you feel under most pressure as you line up in the tunnel before a match? There's no particular opponent who makes me feel under more pressure than any other. In England especially, there are a lot of good defenders, so you know you can definitely expect to have a tough game, but I don't feel pressure from specific individuals. Do you feel under more pressure if certain people are watching from the stand? 
Yes, when my family and friends are present, I feel a bit more pressure because I really want to do well. But to be honest, as soon as I'm in front of the fans, I always feel that desire to put in a good performance. Your agent says there's a small role in a new blockbuster film. Do you take it? Would you be any good? I'm not sure I'd want to do it because I think it takes a lot to be a good actor. I'm good at football, so I think I'll stick with what I know for now. You have to sit your driving test again. Do you pass it? Yes, I feel confident about that. You are told you have to car share with one teammate. Which one behind the wheel would make you feel most nervous? I once got in a car with Musty, and he likes to drive fast. He may be careful, but he loves speed, so I'd probably say him. You move clubs to a country where they speak a different language. You're told you have three months before you have to do interviews in that language. Would you be able to do it? Yes, of course some languages are much harder to learn than others, but I'd definitely give it 100% effort. You're in a karaoke bar. Everyone has sung and now it's your turn. Are you keen and do you sing well? If I'm with friends or our partners, yes, I'd sing happily. Who in the squad would you like to hear sing? Danny, he sings well. Who wouldn't you like to hear? Musty. You've done something wrong. Who is the last person in the world you want to tell you off? My mum. You've lost your phone. How stressed would you feel on a scale of one to ten? Six or seven. I'll go with seven. If you were told it couldn't be replaced for a week, would that level increase? Yes, especially as I'm not in my own country. It would be really hard to communicate with my family and friends. You're stranded on a desert island. Could you survive? I learned how to do that kind of stuff when I was younger, but I've probably forgotten it all, so I think I'd have to say no, I couldn't. You have dinner guests arriving in 30 minutes. Could you cook a meal? Yes, pates cordon bleu, pasta with chicken, ham and cheese in a cream sauce. That's my go-to meal. You've been told you have a year to learn another sport and play it professionally. What would you choose? I would try. It would be basketball. What sport would you definitely not choose? Rugby. Your house is on fire. Apart from your family, what three things do you save? My dog. Just my dog. You're looking after a baby and have to change a nappy. Could you do it? I've never had to do it up till now. Do you think you could learn quickly? Yes, it doesn't look that hard. You've been asked to be best man to a good friend. How would you feel about making the speech? I'd feel confident about doing it. I'd start off in a humorous vein and finish on a more serious note. You're at the top of a mountain and need to get down it as quickly as possible. Could you ski or snowboard down? Well, of course, I've never tried skiing nor snowboarding because we're not allowed to, but I think snowboarding looks a bit cooler. You've got to the bottom of the mountain and now need to travel 50 miles across fields as quickly as possible. Do you use the horse provided? Yes, I did a bit of riding when I was younger. The Visitors CSKA Moscow are the last Russian team standing in Europe. There were four clubs from the 2018 World Cup host country in the Europa League round of 32 and three in the round of 16, but now CSKA are carrying the Russian flag alone. And with no team from that country in the Champions League, 
All of Russia's European hopes this season now rest with the army men from Moscow. CSKA began their 2017-18 European campaign in the Champions League. As the runners-up in last season's Russian Premier League to city rival Spartak Moscow, they entered in the third qualifying round, where they saw off AEK Athens 3-0 on aggregate before dishing out the same treatment to young boys Burn in the playoffs. That brought CSKA a fifth successive Champions League group stage. In each of their previous four, they had finished bottom of their group. This term, however, while qualification for the knockout phase of Europe's Premier Club competition continued to elude them, they did take third place, behind Man United and FC Basel, thanks to a pair of victories over Benfica. They also won 2-1 away at Basel to register nine points, their highest figure since 2009-10 when they reached the quarter-finals. Eight years on, CSKA are back in another European quarter-final, just the third in the club's history. While they lost that Champions League last-eight tie in 2009-10, 2 nil on aggregate to Inter Milan, the eventual winners, they are triumphant back in 2004-05, eliminating Auxerre en route to their UEFA Cup final triumph in Lisbon against Sporting, 3-1. A little over a year after that trophy success, CSKA met Arsenal in the group stage of the Champions League and actually got the better of the Gunners in their two head-to-head duels, winning 1-0 in Moscow before holding out for a 0-0 draw here in the return and thus becoming the first visiting team to keep a clean sheet at Emirates. Remarkably, a number of CSKA players who played in those 2006-07 matches are still at the club. Goalkeeper Igor Akinfeyev and the defensive triumvirate of Sergei Ignashevich and twin brothers Alexei and Vasily Berezutsky. The club's Belarusian coach Viktor Goncharenko can also count on current Russia international midfield duo Alan Zagoev and Alexander Golovin, while another likely World Cup participant is Nigerian striker Ahmed Musa, on loan to his former club from Leicester City. Musa scored in the last round, as did Golovin and Swede Pontus Wimbloom, as CSKA, who had overcome Red Star Belgrade 1-0 on aggregate in the round of 32, recovered from a 0-1 first-leg home defeat against Lyon to win 3-2 in the stadium that will host this year's Europa League final and make it through to the quarter-finals on away goals. With five wins and a draw in seven European away fixtures this season, CSKA are very good travellers. Their one defeat was against Man United at Old Trafford, 1-2, so they will be eager to rectify that as they tread English turf once again tonight. A brief history. Founded August 27, 1911. Stadium VEB Arena. Capacity 30,000. Head coach Viktor Goncharenko. Nicknames Army Men, Horses. Record appearance maker Igor Akinfeyev. Record goalscorer, Grigory Fedotov. The squad. 1. Ilya Pomazan. Goalkeeper. Born, Kaliningrad, Russia, 16-8-96. Previously, none. Info. The 21-year-old goalkeeper has been the understudy to Igor Akinfeyev for the past couple of years, but has yet to make an appearance in European competition and did not make his Russian Premier League debut until earlier this season. 24. Vasily Berezutsky, defender, born Moscow, Russia, 2682. Previously, Torpedo ZIL. 
Info, a Russia international from 2003 to 16, he won 101 caps and scored the late equaliser against England in the opening group game of Euro 2016. He has been at CSKA since 2002, making more than 500 appearances and collecting 18 trophies, including the 2005 UEFA Cup. 6. Alexei Berezutsky, Defender Born, Moscow, Russia, 2682. Previously, Torpedo ZIL. Chernomorets Novorossiysk, loan. Info. Twin brother of Vasily, his career has followed a similar path, although he only has 58 caps for Russia and has not been as consistent recently. A serious injury to current Russia international defender Viktor Vasin has restored him to CSKA's first 11. 4. Sergei Ignashevich, defender, born Moscow, Russia, 14779. Previously, Spartak Orokevo, Kulia Sovatov, Samara, Lok, Moscow. Info The third member of CSKA's defensive old guard, the 38 year old retired from international football as Russia's all time leading cap holder, 120 appearances after Euro 2016. He joined CSKA from City Rivals Locomotive back in 2004. 42. Georgi Shenikov. Defender, born, Moscow, Russia, 27-4-91. Previously, none. Info. A member of the Russia squads at the 2014 World Cup and Euro 2016, the 26-year-old doesn't appear to be in current boss Stanislav Cherchesov's plans. A left-back who has been used further forward this season, he scored against Benfica in the UCL group stage. 66. Bibras Nacho. Midfielder. Born Kfarkama, Israel. 18-88. Previously, Hapoel Tel Aviv. Ruben Kazan. PAOK Salonika. Info. An Israel international midfielder, he has spent eight years plying his trade in Russia. Firstly with Rubin, then, after a brief interlude in Greece, with CSKA. The 30-year-old is set to make his 99th UEFA club competition appearance this evening. 89. Konstantin Kuchayev. Midfielder. Born at Ryazan, Russia, 18398. Previously, none. Info. A current Russia under-21 international who has been on CSKA's books since 2015... The 20-year-old is one of the club's rising stars. A goalscorer at home to Manchester United in the Champions League, he has started all four Europa League encounters. 8. Georgi Milanov. Midfielder. Born Levski, Bulgaria, 19-92. Previously, Litex Lovech, Grasshoppers, loan. Info. The Bulgaria international joined CSKA in 2013 after a 16-goal season in his homeland for Litex Lovec, during which he became the youngest ever Bulgarian player of the year. Not a first choice for CSKA, he has started just two European matches this term. 25. Christian Bistrovic, midfielder, born Koprivnica, Croatia, 9-4-98. Previously, Slaven Belupo. Info. Added to CSKA's squad in January, the young Croatian midfielder was signed from hometown club Slaven Belupo after a promising first half of the season and made his European debut as a late sub in the first leg of the round of 16 tie against Lyon.
72. Astemir Gordyashenko, midfielder, born Nalchik, Russia, 3397. Previously, none. Info. A native of the Kabardino Balkar Republic in Russia's southwest, the 21 year old central midfielder joined CSKA in 2016. He made his European debut as a sub against Tottenham at Wembley in last season's Champions League group stage. 80. Katag Kosanov, midfielder, born Vladikavkaz, Russia, 18698. Previously, none. Info. Born in the Republic of North Ossetia Alonia, the young defensive midfielder moved north to Moscow in 2014 and played for the national under-18 and under-19 teams before making his first team bow for CSKA this season. His European debut came at Old Trafford in December. 3. Pontus Vernblum, midfielder, born Kungalv, Sweden, 25-6-86. Previously, IFK Gothenburg, AZ Alkmaar. Info, a 31-year-old former Sweden international with 51 caps, he joined CSKA from AZ in January 2012 and has proved a major asset. The midfielder has regularly been deployed up front this term and scored the decisive third goal away to Lyon in the round of 16. 7. Ahmed Musa, forward, born Jos, Nigeria, 14-10-92. Previously, GBS, JUTH, loan, Kano Pillars, loan, VVV Venlo, CSK Moslo, Leicester. Info. The pacey Nigeria international returned to CSKA in January on loan from Leicester, where he has struggled for form since a club record £16.6 million transfer in July 2016. He won three Russian Premier League titles in his previous spell with CSKA. 11. Vitinho, forward. Born Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 9-10-93. Previously, Botafogo, Internacional, loan. Info. Signed from Brazilian club Botafogo as a 19-year-old in 2013, Vitinho spent several seasons on the fringes before finally becoming a first-team regular last year, following a loan move back to Brazil with Internacional. He gave CSKA the lead at Old Trafford in December. 75. Timur Zamaletdinov. Forward. Born Moscow, Russia, 21597. Previously, none. Info. A 20-year-old Muscovite, he has emerged as a CSKA first teamer this season. It was his goal that gave CSKA a 2-1 win at Benfica on match day one of this season's Champions League, and it came just four days after his first league goal for the club in a 1-0 win at Amkar Perm. 63. Fedor Chalov. Forward. Born Moscow, Russia, 10-4-98. Previously, none. Info. A Russia under-21 international, he hit the headlines with an important scoring streak for CSKA last spring. He was selected in the starting eleven for both of this season's Champions League group games against Manchester United, but is still seeking his first European goal. In focus, the captain, 35, Igor Akinfeyev, goalkeeper, born Vidnoy, Russia, 8486, previously none. Info, 
A living legend of Russian football, Igor has been the CSKA and Russia first-choice goalkeeper for the past 14 years, accumulating more than 500 appearances for his club, including 115 in UEFA competition and more than 100 international caps for his country. He is a surviving member of both the CSKA side that won the 2004-05 UEFA Cup and the one that took four points from their two Champions League group games against Arsenal in 2006-07. Amazingly, after a 0-0 draw at Emirates Stadium that season, the keeper went 43 matches in the Champions League proper without a clean sheet until this season's 2-0 win against Benfica. He has played every minute of CSKA's 14 European games this term. 10. Alan Zagoev, midfielder. Born, Beslan, Russia, 17-6-90. Previously, Kralia Sovatov, SOK. Info, a star performer at the age of 22 for Russia at Euro 2012, where he was the tournament's joint top scorer with three goals, two of them going past Petr Cech in a 4-1 win over the Czech Republic. Alan has struggled off and on with injury problems in the six years since, but remains a key player for both CSKA and Russia. A classic creative scheming number 10, he has won three Russian Premier League titles and four Russian Cups and made 69 appearances in European club competition, scoring 17 goals, including the opener against Spurs at Wembley last season and the winner in the Europa League round of 32 against Red Star Belgrade. 17. Alexander Golovin, midfielder, born Kaltan, Russia, 35-96. Previously, none. Info. Seen as one of the brightest young up-and-coming talents in Russia, Alexander is being tipped as one to watch at this summer's World Cup. A European champion with his country at under-17 level in 2013 and a runner-up with the under-19s two years later, the 21-year-old midfield playmaker has enhanced his profile considerably during CSKA's European run this season. And ever-present in the Champions League group stage, he scored his first European goal in the 3-2 win at Lyon last time out in the Europa League. He is under contract with CSKA until the summer of 2021, but he is already reportedly on the radar of some of the continent's big battalions. The manager, Viktor Goncharenko. Born June 10, 1977. Games 45. Previously, BATE Borisov, 2007-13, Kuban Krasnodar, 2013-14, Euros Sverdlovsk Oblast, 2015, FCUFA, 2016. Appointed by CSKA to replace Leonid Slutsky in December 2016, Goncharenko was only 39 at the time, but he had become hot property in Russian football, notably while serving as Slutsky's assistant, but also during spells in charge of Kuban, Ural and Ufa. He made his name as a coach in his native Belarus at BATE, winning five league titles and leading the club into the Champions League group stage three times. On the first of those, in 2008-09, he became, at 31, the youngest person to coach a team in the Champions League. A double champion with BATE also as a player, he retired at 25 due to injury. The Breakdown Scouting Report Can the Gunners exploit a lack of mobility in the Russians' defence? There are plenty of familiar names in the CSKA starting eleven, 
But while few will be familiar with their manager, Viktor Goncharenko, he's arguably the most fascinating thing about the Russian outfit. Still only 40, Goncharenko won five consecutive titles with BATE Borisov and also masterminded one of the Champions League's greatest shocks of recent years with a Belarusian club, a 3-1 victory over Bayern Munich in 2013. In charge of CSKA Moscow since December 2016, he's proved himself a canny tactician. The defensive section of his side is packed with veteran Russians. Goalkeeper captain Igor Akinfeyev has been a regular since 2004 and has over 100 caps for his country, although isn't particularly comfortable when coming to claim crosses. In defence, CSKA still have the two Berezutsky twins, Alexei and Vasily Berezutsky. Neither were particularly mobile in their younger days, but now need to defend close to their own penalty box because they don't have the speed to cover in behind. The three-man defence is often completed by Sergei Ignashevich, now 38, who inevitably has a similar problem. Viktor Vasin brings a little extra speed and could be used instead. Goncharenko's wing-backs have a thankless task, continually shuttling up and down the touchlines to provide the width in the 3-5-2 system, particularly when CSKA hold on to possession. That said, they're likely to play primarily on the counter-attack tonight, so this could look rather more like a 5-3-2 system. CSKA's format in midfield and attack, however, is very interesting. Bibras Nacho plays a solid holding role, focusing upon protecting the defence and rarely pushing forward into attack, but also distributing the ball intelligently out to the flanks. His discipline means CSKA can use two creative players in the two more advanced positions, perhaps comparable to how Pep Guardiola has used David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne this season. Alan Zagoev is a creative player who pushes forward to slide dangerous through balls into attack, while Alexander Golovin is more cautious with his positioning, but very efficient with his use of possession. Up front, CSKA use a two-man strike force, but in a way neither is a true centre-forward. Ahmed Musa, on loan from Leicester City since January, is an electric winger who offers a constant counter-attacking threat, and in this system will look to make runs into the channels to collect long passes, perhaps in the mould of his ex-teammate Jamie Vardy. Alongside him is CSKA's true danger man, Brazilian Vitinho, a brilliant all-round attacker capable of genuine moments of magic and very adept at shooting from long range. Arsenal must watch him carefully. The alternative is long-serving Swede Pontus Vernblum, who wears number three and was previously considered a defensive midfielder, but has often been utilised as a centre-forward by Goncharenko. More a target man instructed to bring others into play than a genuine goal threat, he's more likely to be used in the return leg. Here, CSKA will defend deep and play on the break, where Musa and Vitinho will be genuine threats. Last Europa League match, 15-03-18. Lyon, 2, Comet, 58, Mariano, 71. CSKA, Moscow, 3. Golovin, 39, Musa, 60, Vernblum, 65. CSKA, Akinfeyev, Ignashevich, A. Berezutsky, Nababkin, V. Berezutsky, Shenikov, 46, Vernblum, Zagoev, Gordyushenko, 89, Golovin, Nacho, Kocheyev, Musa, Vitinho, 73. Subs not used, Pomazun, Milanov, Bistrovich, Chalov. Did you know? 
CSKA Moscow were nicknamed the Horses because their first stadium was built on the old racecourse in Moscow. They were the first club in Russia to win a European Cup competition, the UEFA Cup, in 2005. They defeated Sporting Lisbon 3-1. CSKA went behind, but goals by Alexei Berezutsky, Yuri Zherkov and Wagner Love created history for the Russians. Last time we met. November 1st, 2006, UEFA Champions League. Arsenal 0, CSKA Moscow 0. Arsenal, Lehmann, Clichy, Gallus, Torre, Hoyter, Hleb, Walcott, 71, Fabregas, Flamini, 89, Gilberto, Rosicki, Henri, Van Persie, Alidier, 82. Subs not used, Almunia, Senderos, Juro, Song. CSKA, Akinfeyev, A. Berezutsky, V. Berezutsky, Zirkov, Ignashevich, Sembras, Rahimic, Krasic, Aldenon, 40, Dudu, Carvalho, Taranov, 89, Love, Olich, 85. Subs not used, Gabrilov, Odoya, Grigoriev, Salugin. Quick stats. Last five managers. Viktor Goncharenko, 2016 to present. Leonid Slutsky, 2009 to 2016. Juan de Ramos, 2009. Zico, 2009. Valery Gazeev. 2004-2008 Last five Russian Premier League titles 2005, 2006, 2013, 2014, 2016 Most league games for CSKA Igor Akinfeyev, 387 Vladimir Fedotov, 382 Sergei Ignashevich, 372 Vasily Berezutsky, 368 Vladimir Polikarpov, 341. Memory Lane 1. CSKA Moscow have retired squad number 16, which was worn by goalkeeper Serhi Perkin, who tragically died, aged 23, on August 28, 2001, after head injuries suffered following an accidental collision with an Anzi Makhachakala player. 2. Arsenal beat CSKA 1-0 in the next-gen under-19 series quarter-finals on March 25, 2013. Serge Nabry scored the goal. The Gunners team was Ilayev, Bellerin, Anger, Hardjevic, Hayden, Ebesilia, Yeneris, Olsen, Eisfeld, Akpom, Answer 78, Nabry. Subs not used, Vickers, Mugabo, Jeb, Maitland-Niles, Ormond Otwill. The Run 19 seasons. Defender Sergei Ignashevich is in his 19th consecutive season in the Russian Premier League, his first being back in 1999 with Krylia Sovetov. Arsenal's competitive record against Russian teams is as follows. Champions League. 1-2, drawn 2, lost 2. Europa League. 1-0, drawn 0, lost 2. Match action. Arsenal versus Stoke City. Sunday, April the 1st, 2018, 13.30. Premier League. Game number 49. Venue, Emirates Stadium. Referee, Craig Pawson. Attendance, 59,371. Arsenal, 3. Stoke City, 0. 
Scoring for Arsenal were Aubameyang in the 75th minute with a penalty and the 86th, Lacazette in the 89th minute with a penalty. Playing for Arsenal were 13 Ospina, 24 Bellerin, 21 Chambers, 20 Mustafi, 18 Monreal, 35 Elneny, who was substituted in the 76th minute, 10 Wilshire, who was also substituted in the 76th minute, 8 Ramsey, 11 Ozil, 23 Welbeck, who was substituted in the 61st minute, and 14 Aubameyang. Substitutes were 54 Macy, 6 Kozielny, 31 Kolasinak, 29 Sharka, who came on at the 76th minute, 17 Iwobi, 7 Mkhitaryan, who came on in the 76th minute, and 9 Lacazette, who came on in the 61st minute. The match stats were total shots 24, shots on target 11, corners 6, offsides 3, fouls 9, possession 70%. Playing for Stoke were 1, Butland 8, Johnson 17, Shawcross 15, Martin Zindi 3, Peters 2, Bauer 27, Ndeye 4, Allen 32, Sobi who was substituted in the 80th minute 18, Dioff, who was substituted in the 61st minute, and 22, Shakiri. Substitutes were 29, Hugard, 7, Ireland, 9, Berahino, who came on in the 61st minute, 20, Cameron, 25, Crouch, who came on in the 80th minute, 40, Campbell, and 55, Sorensen. Match stats, total shots 8, shots on target 2, Corners 5, offsides 3, fouls 13, possession 30%. Man of the match was Aaron Ramsey. Match facts. Arsenal have won their last 16 home matches against Stoke in all competitions. The Gunners scored three or more goals and kept a clean sheet in consecutive league games for the first time since October 2015. We scored two penalties in the league for the first time since December 2012 versus West Brom. First half. The visitors started brightly, with Sherdan Shakiri and Mami Diouf troubling the Gunners with early shots, but on 23 minutes Aaron Ramsey's volley hit the bar as Arsenal warmed to their task. The midfielder then had an effort deflected wide after good work from Jack Wilshire and next up, Mo Elneny struck a shot wide as the Gunners dominated possession. Callum Chambers then couldn't quite make the right connection on successive Masutozil corners towards the end of a half, in which Arsenal had enjoyed most of the play, but Stoke had defended resolutely. Second half. Danny Welbeck volleyed wide on 57 minutes, and Nacho Monreal shot straight at Jack Butland moments later, but Stoke remained a threat, and Shakiri hit the post. Ozil then released Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who couldn't beat Butland, but this combination then saw us up and up the scoring on 76 minutes, as the German was fouled by Bruno Martinsindi in the penalty box, and Ober converted. Stoke's resolve crumbled, and the Gabonese stroked home a second, before he allowed Alexandre Lacazette to convert from the spot, after the Frenchman was fouled in the box late on. There are seven photographs with this report, apart from the one under the score line.
The full-page photograph has the caption, Alexandre Lacazette's penalty hits the back of the net. The group of six photographs has the captions, clockwise from top left, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang enjoys putting the gunners ahead. Nacho Monreal rises above the potters. Jack Wilshire turns away from danger. Aaron Ramsey showed his attacking drive all game. Ober slams home the crucial second. David Ospina pushes the ball away from Ramadan Sobi. Dynamo Moscow versus Arsenal, October the 5th, 1954. Mysterious mismatch. Arsenal's first ever trip to Moscow, intrigued but ultimately disappointed. Now, I must admit the Arsenal star has waned a little. We are no longer the great side of yesteryear, and people are happily writing us off as has-beens, wrote Gunners striker Tommy Lawton in his 1955 autobiography, My 20 Years of Soccer. And yet, with Busby's babe still being nurtured in the Manchester United youth team, the Gunners remained, by some distance, English football's most exportable and marketable asset. In the summer of 1954, with the Cold War at its height, the club announced its forthcoming trip to Moscow to play the Dynamos in the Dynamo Stadium. The ensuing clamour for tickets in the Soviet capital rivalled that which had greeted the news of the Dynamo's Goodwill British tour nearly a decade earlier. In the Daily Mail, Patrick Sargent wrote, The struggle for tickets here has to be seen to be believed. The town is agog about the match and queues are expected to form from 3am tomorrow morning. To give Arsenal's Moscow adventure an air of mystery, the dates of the match and the opponents remain shrouded in secrecy until only a fortnight before the match. The day after their first division match with Leicester City at Highbury on October 2nd, 1954, which Arsenal drew 3-3, the delegation arrived at Northolt Airport and embarked on their journey in two special British European Airways Viscounts. Lawton likened them to a flying luxury hotel. The plane stopped off in Frankfurt and then Prague. Once in Prague, the Viscounts headed back to England, and Lawton lamented it was like saying goodbye to civilization. The players then boarded two ramshackle aircraft which resembled Dakotas, before a brief refuelling mission in Warsaw, and then, due to poor weather, they landed in Minsk, 400 miles from Moscow, where they spent an uncomfortable night in a down-at-heel dormitory. At 5am, they set out for Minsk Airport and then boarded a plane for the two-and-a-half-hour Moscow-bound flight. After arriving at lunchtime, the travel-weary Arsenal players were able to have a good feed, catch up on some sleep and train prior to the match at the Dynamo Stadium on the following day. With an average age of 22... Mikhail Yakushin's team, which boasted a young Lev Yashin in goal, were a formidable outfit. The Gunners received a police escort to the ground, which was filled way beyond its 64,500 capacity. As the teams emerged from the tunnel, the Union Jack and the Hammer and Sickle fluttered side by side on top of one of the stands. Before the national anthems were played... The crowd was treated to the baritone voice of known communist Paul Robeson booming out over the stadium loudspeaker. Then the friendship match got underway. The first half was tight, 
Although tellingly, Alex Forbes recalled, the Dynamos played as a collective, whereas we relied rather too much on humping the ball forward to Tommy Lawton. On a heavy pitch, the hosts took the lead in the 44th minute when Vladimir Ilyin swerved past the Arsenal defence and drove the ball low past Jack Kelsey. In the second half, the Dynamos pulled Arsenal to pieces. Now 35 and past his prime, Lawton struggled manfully to run on to the increasingly long punts hoofed in his direction. Moscow Radio might have been effusive in its praise towards the visitors, Arsenal have made bosom friends of the home spectators, but the nimble dynamos showed no mercy and eventually ran out 5-0 winners with Rijakin, Mamadov 2 and Shabrov piling more misery on the gunners. The Daily Mail blasted, outplayed Arsenal get the Moscow whistle. Crowd chuckle at 5-0 defeat. The fatigued Arsenal players returned to North London and pulled themselves together quickly by going to Hillsborough and defeating Sheffield Wednesday 2-1. Subsequent stories about Arsenal's Moscow excursion focused on the more bizarre elements of the trip. Tommy Lawton informed journalists that the chicken soup the players were given on the final leg to Moscow made our stomachs turn. The chicken legs, which were in the soup, still boasted big black paws in the skin. There was also some meat that was so rubbery none of us could get it down. The normally placid Wally Barnes vented his fury, telling Reynolds News that the entire trip had been a waste of time and that a lack of sleep had scuppered any chance of an Arsenal victory. Yet the fundamental reason for the team's defeat was a tactical one. Arsenal were ripped apart by the host's breathtaking speed and crisp passing. Coach Yakushin, a former hockey player, encouraged his players to be as two-footed as possible, even suggesting that learning to write clearly with both hands would create a pliable mindset which would set them above their opponents. Less than 18 minutes after winning the Division 1 title, Arsenal's chastening defeat in Moscow was a clear indicator that the Gunners were struggling to find a winning formula or style, as reality bit hard by the mid-1950s. Words by John Sperling. That sums it all up. 20 years since Arsene Wenger's team won Arsenal's second double, the matchday programme recalls the stories that surrounded the 1997-98 season. Written by Jem Maidment. A familiar face to all fans, Vic Akers was new to the job as Arsenal kit manager 20 years ago and recalls what was a truly memorable start to his time in the role. What was the background to you becoming the first team kit man? I remember getting the job around that time, as it happens. Bobby Armit, who was previously in the role, left and the vacancy came up. The gaffer asked Pat Rice for his advice and Pat gave him my name, which was very good of him. He said I had the knowledge and passion and was a former pro too. I met Arsene and immediately liked him. Like me, he's a football man, first and foremost, so I knew we'd get on. He's also very amenable. I did tell him straight from the off that I was manager of Arsenal Ladies. We had won the Premier League again in 1996-97 and he accepted that. For me, the commitment and effort in both roles, as ladies boss and first team kit man, was always 100%. The only problem I had was that, on some occasions, I could not travel with the ladies, especially when we had away games in Europe. 
It happened on a couple of occasions. That was a shame, but an inevitability of my dual role. It didn't matter too much, though, because I had a terrific team with me and could relay instructions beforehand. In fact, the current Chelsea ladies' manager, Emma Hayes, worked with me a few years later as my assistant. That said, the reality was I was doing an eight-day week, and don't forget, I wasn't being paid to run the ladies' team, which I did until 2009. Not that I minded, it was a brilliant time, and I had the best team in the country. We were rarely beaten. As for the men's side, that 1997-98 season was Arsene Wenger's first full pre-season. What do you recall of that time? Yes, and it would be my first full season working with him. We went off to Austria for pre-season, and straight away you could see there was a different discipline that he brought into the club. It was a really good time to be at Arsenal. Things were moving in the right direction. The level of talent was on the up. A lot of French lads had come in, and in fairness, some of them took a while to acclimatise. Even Thierry Henry struggled at first when he came a year later, but eventually they did settle. As for the Dutch lads, they were virtually English and just slotted straight in. Bruce Riot had already brought in Dennis Bergkamp before Arsene arrived, then came the speedy Mark Overmars. But what I recall of that pre-season in Austria, more than anything, was the camaraderie that was evident very quickly. That was a squad with a lot of big players and they all gelled. It was very enjoyable being around those lads. The rivalry with Manchester United in those days was immense. It was, very much so, massive. They were the best team around, but we would normally give them a very good game. We had a team with a lot of big characters in it who relished big games. We had a lot of spirit, and those games were always tough affairs. The win there in March, when Overmars scored the only goal of the game, was the big game for us, probably the most significant game of the season. From then on, we were in pole position. In fairness, we'd had some bad results at Old Trafford. In fact, we'd had some real heartache there over the years. But on that day, the team rose to the challenge. The belief we showed to get the three points edged it for us. We knew going into that game, if we could win there, we could actually go and win the title. That's when it got really interesting. From then on, we went into the last few games in touching distance, and we were not going to let it slip away. In the biggest game of the season, we'd come through it and grasp the metal. Tell us about Tony Adams. It was an extraordinary season for him. Every year you think, this is our year. We were no different. But the first half of the season went OK, with United running away with it. Then Tony had a break over the Christmas. He'd been carrying an injury and went off to the south of France to recuperate. He clearly needed it. When he came back, he was awesome. We had that incredible second half of the season. In fact, that is a trait of ours generally at the club, certainly so in those days, and went on a long winning run. Tony was such a leader, and if I'm speaking truthfully here, those kind of players, like Tony, just do not exist anymore. They're just not in the game, or they're extremely rare. He was strong, powerful, led by example, players respected him, he was a massive character, everything you want in the dressing room. Of course, there was that goal when we beat Everton 4-0 to win the title. It really did just make it perfect. He even scored, and wow did he hit it well, with his left foot. Incredible stuff. Then there was the cup final. Well, people say it was an inevitability, and the way we were playing, we knew we had the beating of Newcastle United. But it didn't always work out like that. Look at the FA Cup final last May. I've got a lot of Chelsea supporting mates, and they were all convinced they'd win it. Chelsea were the bookies' favourites, but we go and beat them 2-1. 
And frankly, we ran the game with young lads like Rob Holding in the team. So nothing is certain in football. That said, we were far too strong for Newcastle on the day. How does that squad compare to others you worked with? When I think back to that squad, my overriding view was those big characters, both mentally and physically. It was a genuinely big group of players in all senses. You would see other teams looking up at them in the tunnel, and it must have made for a formidable sight. Look at the two guys in the middle, Emmanuel Petit and Patrick Vieira. They were big, strong lads with great football skills. Don't forget, they also both went on to win the World Cup in just a few weeks after winning the double with us. Martin Keown, Steve Bald, Adams, Seaman, these guys were all well over six foot and could mix it. But they also had the skills too. What a group of players. The Invincibles were on a par with them, I'd say. Being an Islington boy, working with the quality of these players was and is very special. To be honest, it's just a massive plus for me to be working in this setup and at this club for more than 30 years now. This was the fourth time Ian Wright had worn his 179 Just Done It t-shirt under his playing strip, having not scored in his previous three matches. This was the third and final time we won the league with JVC as our kit sponsors. Winning the title meant the Gunners were allowed to wear special Premiership Champions patches on their sleeves for the first time the following season. And there's a picture here, taken May 3rd, 1998, Vic Akers celebrating the title with Christopher Ray and Louis Boa Morte at Highbury. Arsenal first team squad, 1997-98. Number one, David Seaman. Two, Lee Dixon. Three, Nigel Winterburn. Four, Patrick Vieira. Five, Steve Bald. Six, Tony Adams. Seven, David Platt. Eight, Ian Wright. Nine, Nicholas Anelka. Ten, Dennis Bergkamp. Eleven, Mark Overmars. Twelve, Christopher Ray. Thirteen, Alex Manninger. Fourteen, Martin Keown. Fifteen, Ray Parler. Seventeen, Emmanuel Petit. Eighteen, Gilles Grimandi. 19, Remy Gard, 20, Matthew Upson, 21, Louis Boa-Morte, 22, Ian Selle, 23, Alberto Mendes, 25, Scott Marshall, 26, Vince Bartram, 27, Paul Shaw, 28, Stephen Hughes, 29, Glenn Helder, 30, Gavin McGowan, 31, Chris Kawomia, 32, Isaiah Rankin, 33, Michael Black, 34, Jason Crow. Club Culture, Arsenal Russian-Speaking Supporters Club. Arsenal Russian-Speaking Supporters Club, Arsenal Russia, was founded in the year 2000 when a group of Gunners fans from Belarus, Russia and Ukraine formed a website devoted to the team. In the early years, the Supporters Club was mainly an online community, on the forum. But in 2003, the group attended their first Arsenal match when they headed to Moscow to watch Arsene Wenger's team claim a hard-fought 0-0 draw against Lokomotiv in the UEFA Champions League group stage. In 2004, the supporters' club was granted official status and in 2013, the group enjoyed the thrill of having their official banner unveiled at Emirates. Now, Arsenal Russia members get together in local bars in every major city of Russia and the CIS, Moscow, St. Petersburg, Minsk, Kiev, etc. to watch every Arsenal game. 
Last time the Gunners played against CSKA in 2006, there were about 100 members at the stadium in Moscow. Next week, the group will be taking even more supporters to the VEB arena. There will hopefully be more than 150 members cheering on the Gunners as they hope to reach the final four of the competition. Bulgaria's Big Day Arsenal-Bulgaria enjoyed a superb afternoon on Sunday in what was a very special visit to Emirates Stadium for the victory over Stoke City. More than 20 supporters came to North London and were greeted pre-match by an interview with Arsenal's official club media, who were keen to hear the interesting stories the group had to tell. After watching the match, and eventually having plenty to cheer about, the group waited in the Emirates Stadium paddock area and were rewarded with a visit from midfielder Mohamed Elneny, who was delighted to pose for pictures. For more info, please visit www.arsenal.com forward slash supporters clubs forward slash setting dash up dash your dash own dash club. My story. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund Breaking Convention, a festival of hip-hop dance theatre. Ashley Rowe, 16, from Essex, is a dancer who wanted to find out more. He says, I discovered Breaking Convention in 2015 when my parents bought tickets for one of the shows. I wanted to go along to see the amazing performers and to get a feel for what I aspire to be doing in the future. I love going to hip-hop dance classes, house dance, breakdance and acrobatics. And I'm on a full-time performing arts course at college, but none of it feels like work as I'm so mad about dance. My first time there was incredible. I remember there being a hip-hop cypher, freestyle rapping, and everyone was jamming to the DJ's songs. There was a real positive energy about the event. I also saw the Future Elements project, which brings young aspiring artists together once a year to create a music video with their own lyrics and choreography. I was determined to be in the next video and saw it as a platform to progress and a way to get involved with the event. I now go every year and try to engage in every aspect of Breaking Convention, from the artwork to the workshops and, of course, the freestyle ciphers. I've performed at the Future Elements Night for the last two years, and it's really helped me see the work that goes into making a fully rounded performance, including lighting and staging. As a dancer, to say you've performed at Sadler's Wells, as we did, is a dream come true. I do get nervous before I perform, but that excites me and that energy helps my performance. The mentors from the project are always around to offer advice, and they're the first people in the audience to cheer and clap. It's awesome to have an audience, as it's a great way to get what works in a performance and what doesn't. An audience can also give you a massive boost and helps you bring even more energy to a performance. The Future Elements Project has been great for me. It's not just some youth holiday activity. You're treated like adults and shown what it's like to produce music professionally. You actually learn something and get advice on how to create your own work. Each year I'm going with a more mature mind and finding that I take on lots more valuable knowledge. Through Breaking Convention, I've learned what it takes to perform, what it takes to put on a show, and all the background work leading to a performance. I've made so many friends, and I know they would help me in the future. It really taught me how to make the best of the skills I have. Breaking Convention is the best place to go if you want to learn and progress. It gave me the opportunity to work with people from all over London and beyond. Everyone has a different talent to share, 
and we all share the same love of hip-hop. It taught me to enjoy more than just dance, but the music and art you bring to your work. For more information, please visit www.breakinconvention.com. Teams for Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. 4. Per Matasaka. 6. Laurent Kozielny. 8. Aaron Ramsey. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Jack Wilshire. 11. Mesut Ozil. 13. David Ospina, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Alex Iwobi. 18. Nacho Monreal. 19. Santi Carzola. 20. Shkodran Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 23. Danny Welbeck. 24. Hector Bellerin. 27. Konstantinos Mafropanos. 29. Granit Xhaka. 30. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 31. Siad Kalasinak. 33. Petra Cech, goalkeeper. 35. Mohamed Elneny. 43. Josh Da Silva. 44. Vlad Dragomir. 47. Charlie Gilmore. 50. Dan Ilyev, goalkeeper. 54. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 61. Reese Nelson. 62. Eddie Nkitia. 63. Jordi Osetutu. 69. Joe Willock. 77. Henrik Mkhitaryan. For CSKA Moscow, manager Viktor Goncharenko. Blank shirts, shorts and socks. 1. Ilya Pomazon, goalkeeper. 2. Mario Hernandez. 3. Pontus Vernblum. 4. Sergei Ignashevich. 5. Viktor Vazin. 6. Alexei Berezutsky. 7. Ahmad Musa. 8. Georgi Milanov. 10. Alan Zuzgoev. 11. Vitinho. 14. Krill Nababkin. 17. Alexandra Golovin. 24. Vasily Berezutsky. 25. Kristun Bistrovich. 31. Alexandra Makarov. 35. Igor Akinviv, goalkeeper. 42. Georgi Shenikov. 44. Georgi Kirnats, goalkeeper. 63. Fedor Chalov. 66. Bibras Nachko. 72. Astemir Gordy Ushenko. 75. Timur Zamaladinov. 80. Kedak Kozunov. 89. Konstantin Kocheyev. 99. Aaron Olanara. Officials from Czech Republic and Slovakia. Referee Pavel Kralovic. Assistant referees Roman Slisko, Ivo Nadvornik. Additional assistants Petra Ardolinu, Karol Hrubs. Fourth official Jan Patak. Tonight's other fixtures all 8.05 pm kickoff Atletico Madrid vs. Sporting Lisbon, Lazio vs. RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig vs. Marseille. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hello, this is 
Arsene Wenger. That brings us to the end of this audio production of the Arsenal Matchday program. Puma One. Play perfect. Gatorade. It all begins from within. Every victory starts from within. That's where the heart and the drive live. The determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. Gatorade is proud to fuel any athlete who believes greatness comes from within. Gatorade. Win from within. Copyright 2013. S-VC.8. Gatorade and G-Design are registered trademarks of s-vc.in. Do everything once in a lifetime in Australia and New Zealand. Don't just visit, live it. From the rugged outback and spectacular coastlines to adventure sports and natural wonders. Choose from seven destinations on emirates.com slash UK. Hello tomorrow. Emirates. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.